Don Dixon, how you doing? I am amazing. How are you today? I'm doing well. You know, thank you for joining us at the Disruption Now Virtual Summit. You know, the goal was we were going to do this all in person, but, you know, apparently the universe got it, had other plans, so we're going all virtual. How's it, it going for you? Sense. It makes sense. I mean, we have a wider audience and people have more access than ever before. So I think virtual is actually a great way to start it off. No, no, I agree. And when you, you know, I, I, I've told people that I think COVID-19 has accelerated disruptions and actually exposed uh, folks as well, because there are, you know, there are there are people that are still on the old models, still think you have to do everything in person and weren't ready for this moment. Obviously, you've been in the game for a while. You've been ready for this moment. And it actually uh, it actually aligns with what you're doing in your technology. But before we go down into that, uh, you know, we, we're having this session to really give people a real understanding of what it takes to be successful in, in 2020 going forward, using all of the tools and all of the capabilities online. Uh, but it still goes back to really old tried and true principles. And you are, you know, you look young, 25, you know, we see it, there you go. But <laughs> you're an OG in the game. You've been doing definitely this for a OG, while. Definitely an OG, 20 years <laughs> in the game, 20 years in tech uh, next year. Yeah. March. Yeah, you've been in this process for a long time. And I, I, I believe that people can see you. I know people see you. You're on The Breakfast Club. You're doing this. You have a huge following. They just see like, wow, she just she just had it and it just came and it just went. This process was just like from here to there and she just shot to the stars. But that's not how your process worked at all. And you've had a hard you've had a hard process. You've been a you've been bobbing and weaving. You've been pivoting, figuring out a way to to make a way out of no way. And um, so for that, I tell you, congratulations, because most people, uh, even even though everybody, it's it's hard in, in, in founder life, no matter what your beginning is, no matter even if you have a network, it is a hard, tough road. You, you take that and you don't have a network, you don't have that already built in for whatever reason, it's a much, much, much harder road and you found a way to get here. So, and I know you haven't reached your, your goal or your pinnacle yet. Uh, we expect a lot more. Like I said, you're gonna be one of those billion dollar companies. I'm just gonna call it out in the universe. So, and we get to say that we knew you win. Uh, so, but I want to talk about what surprised you in, in being a founder the most when you first, when you, when you think about where you were, uh, you know, when you really were 20 and you, uh, okay. and you started in this process, uh, we actually had a survey that we asked folks, we asked them what, 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 what surprised you the most about becoming a startup founder. And so I want to ask you these five to see which one of these align with them, uh, actually align with you the most, uh, was it the challenge of managing the process and just the details of running the business? Did that surprise you the most? Was it the lead time it takes to convert sales or actually raising capital? Was it the, uh, did you underestimate the amount of money it would actually take, take to actually sustain the business? That's, that looks like that's going to be your answer already. <laughs> and uh, uh, was it the amount of time it actually consumes of your life and how, how it becomes a, a complete obsession? Or was it the emotional roller coaster of the process? It was the money part for sure <laughs> um, because you know we we especially when you're talking about the first business when we said what surprised you and so this was when i was a rookie founder and i thought i just needed ten thousand dollars to build my business you know i think a lot of times we just completely underestimate what it actually cost and everything that is required all of the projections are wrong um, you know, you, you always burn through more money than you expect. 
the runway gets shorter. And uh, it's really hard in the beginning to guess because you don't know what you don't know and all these things come up. So certainly um, being, I, I recommend everybody just overestimate how much money that you need because there are always going to be surprises popping up, which I learned the hard way. Yeah. Yeah, you did. So there was one period just thinking about when you taught, you started off with flat out of heels, which was your first business. Well, my first was actually oh, the was, Urban okay. Star in 2001. That was my first tech company. Oh, wow. Wait, what was the first company? It's called the Urban Star. It was a online um, event and um, marketing uh, platform based in Columbus, Ohio. So it's where to go to find out what's going on in the city and Central Ohio. And it was the first platform, one of the first in the nation of that nature. Interesting. I mean, because that, that, that those platforms have taken off and it's, you know, I'll say this, have pe- if people, and this is not a whining session because we're going to, we're, we're about disrupting common narratives and constructs, but I can't remember which company it is. It doesn't really matter, but there's another company that's, that did something similar to what you, what you are doing. And I think received like $40 million or something like that. And they're out of 45, business. Five, And they're out of business in three years. Yep. Out of business in three years and you've been here for 20. And uh, it's just, if people understand the, and I say this is not, I don't look at it as a social responsibility. It, I think it is a social responsibility to do what's right, to invest in diverse founders. But my message to corporate America, my message to the majority population is it's a missed economic opportunity. That's what it is. So you're looking yeah, exactly, at- Exactly. Exactly. And, and I decided I'm, I'm no longer going to try to convince people um, for me to give them opportunity. If I, like literally taking an investment um, is me giving someone an opportunity. If they don't see the value, okay, cool. Peace be unto you. And, but that, that's the reason why I crowdfund it, which I know we're going to talk about. Yep. And I want to get to, we're going to talk about crowdfunding, but I want people to understand the process. There was a point in your life where you, um, where you, where you uh, got $150,000 raised and I'm going back to flat out of Hills. And you, you went forward and you came up and you launched your, you launched your product and you put it on Facebook, but uh, things didn't go according to plan. <laughs> you know, tell people about that moment. Cause I, I do think it's important to draw from your, whatever you want to say, setbacks, temporary failures, and how those help you become better for having gone through that experience. I mean, looking back, it's funny and we can chuckle, but you know, at the time it was devastating. And what happened was that I did raise the money to, this is when I first got into the vending uh, industry. I raised money to build vending machines to sell flat out of heels in, which flat out of heels is still in business and they're rollable ballet flats for women when their feet hurt in heels. And I decided that vending machines was a great distribution channel to deliver them to women when their feet hurt the most, wherever they may be. And so I raised this money, built these custom machines, built them in Spain. I paid about maybe $20,000 for these machines. And um, I was really excited about it. So when they arrived, uh, as soon as they landed in the warehouse, I unpacked it and I took a picture of it and I posted it on Facebook like they're here. You know, we're about to take off. It's time to go. That was before I even ever plugged it up to to see if it even worked. So after I posted it on Facebook and everybody's like, wow, wow, congratulations. Within about an hour, I had realized that the machines did not work at all. They, I plugged them up and they just lit up. That's it. They did not dispense a product. Um, There was, I didn't understand. I I didn't know what I didn't know. 
And I just knew I, I, I wanted the machine to accept credit cards. So I bought a credit card reader, sent it over to Spain to have them install the credit card reader. And they did physically install it. But installing means more than just sticking it in. It has to actually be, um, there's software involved to make that credit card reader communicate with the machine to actually dispense a product. None of that engineering had happened. So right. the machine did not sell because there was no way to um, make it sell. And, and at the time, I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know what I was missing. I didn't know that I needed an engineer to write some code and create a driver. I know that now. Back then, I just thought it didn't work and, and ended up selling those machines for $8 in scrap metal. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And that was your second. And I think you raised money one other time, ran out of money. This was your second time you raised money and then you ran out of money. Yeah. The first right. time I raised money to launch the business and I launched it as an e-commerce business. So that did well. I built my website. I started a online marketing campaign, which is actually my expertise. So that was doing well. When I was ready to expand into the vending space, that burned a lot of cash and it was so many unknowns and there was no resources like there are for managing an e-commerce business, lots of online tools for that. Um, but no one was there around to tell me how to do a vending machine business. Right. Talk about the process of really developing your network because that is the foundation that I believe that that will make you successful if you're trying to crowd, if you're trying to crowd, crowd invest, you're, doing, you're trying to do a crowdfunding raise. You can't do that unless you have a network of people that believe in you, that are committed to you. So let's actually break this up a little bit. So you talked about going to conferences. Specifically, I remember you saying that not only just trying to go to like the biggest conference you can, specifically go to micro-targeted conferences that deal with uh, your industry and that may more. Yes. Go ahead. Talk about why that's important for your marketing. Because some people said, might think, okay, I need to go to where all the people are. But what, what I'm hearing from you is that not, that's not necessarily true. I think it, you got to do both. You know, I would go to large general conferences like um, you know, Black Enterprise Conference or all the different entrepreneurship summits that were out there, as many as I could to just build a general network. But then I went to all of the conferences that I was able to go to that were industry specific. So if it was like, so for example, with a flat out, I would go to the Magic, fa the magic Fashion Show in uh, Las Vegas, the biggest fashion conference where all of the brands from large and small go and you meet buyers and just everyone in the, in the industry. And so I went to that every year. Then when it came to tech, I went to um, specifically for vending. I would go to the NAMA show, which is the National Automated Merchandising Association, the National Retail um, Federation show. Um, I will go to as many vending, IOT, uh, SAS, things that w dealt directly with my industry, not only to learn specialized information in the breakout sessions and things that really helped me grow my business specifically and yep. not generally, but specifically, but meet people who understand the industry, number one, to be a potential investor, two, to be a potential customer, and three, to recruit team members because you want to work with people that understand what you're doing. And so that's the value of going to these. At the same time, you're building a, a wide network. And so it never was my intention to, because crowdfunding wasn't a thing, but I always knew that I wanted to build a large network, if nothing else, just to keep people informed what I was working on for, for like I said, team and customers. Yeah. And you were, you know, I remember a funny post that when you first came to my mind, 
Um, this was whenever we interviewed first on, on Disruption Now podcast. That was a while ago, a year and a half ago or something. But I remember this one quote from you and you were you were telling people about how you have to be intentional in networking. And, and someone comes up to you and, 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 and networks with you in LinkedIn and says, let's connect. You ignore them automatically because there's no, you know, they have no strategy or vision. You know, talk let's about build, let's chat, let's connect, <laughs> be very specific. I want to connect with you to discuss the following. I came across your profile. I see you have a specialization in vending. I'm really looking for a supplier who can do this. Do you have any insight? Ask a very direct and specific question. Can you mentor me? Every day somebody says, can I be their mentor? And I always say mentorship's a very personal relationship. Yeah, for it's what? Like, what am I you for? You can't just ask somebody randomly to be your mentor. You <laughs> need to get to know them and, and so that you can see if they're even a good fit. So I get all these things all the time and I'm like, you know, networking with intention, being very direct and clear what you want from that person, especially if they're a high profile person or a very busy person as far as um, a CEO of something. You have no idea how many messages they get every day. And I'll be like, little old me, I'm flooded. So imagine how many people are messaging people like Damon John every day. Right. You know, like if you're talking and I've, matter, and I've had several one-on-one -on -one sessions with Damon John myself and I reached out to him cold. And this happened because I was very direct about what I wanted and he definitely respected so What that. did you say to him, if you don't mind? If it's, if it's, what did you say that got his attention? You came to him cold. I read, I read all of his books. I cited things from his books and things that I learned from his books and said, I would love to go deeper into these things with you. You know, I said, I read your book, um, Display of Power, where you talked about how you were able to build your supply chain. I'm having challenges with my supply chain. I have these specific questions. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 you made sure that you understood. Well, you know, first of all, I invested right. and read his book and bought it. Yep. I read it. I know his story. I know he can help me in this specific way. I've Googled online. I could not find the answer. I tell people, if you can find it on Google, don't ask me. <laughs> Only ask me things you cannot find on Google. Yep. And there's a lot you can find on Google. It's a lot. And there a lot is. you cannot, which are very journey specific or specific resources. But if you let people know like, hey, I'm not just asking you this because I don't want to do any work. I've right. done the work. I've dug in. I've read all of your books or all your articles. People will get a response from me. They'll say things like, I read your medium post. I see, you know, this, this, that. And I still have a few more questions. Can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, what was this or that? And I'll answer. But yep. when somebody's People would message me and say, tell me more about what you do in tech. Can you tell me your, tell me more. I would love to hear more about your journey. Yeah. I was like, my LinkedIn has about 50 articles for you to hear about my journey. That's boring. Yeah. I don't talk about my journey. What do you really want? And I'll say to people, what do you really want? Yep. I push back. Some people get very offended. Some people will reply. Back yeah, but you got to know what you want. I mean, Don, it goes to your point. A few things, you know, one, you said being intentional. So starting, I believe, the starting small to grow big. I, I, know, I actually know one of your favorite books is Tim Ferriss uh, from uh, the four hour work week. Definitely, and so, definitely yeah, goals. Right. But that's what he does. Right. I mean, that, that's what that's part of his. I've, I've read a lot of his books and his strategy. 
and you start, most people don't understand this. They think you try to uh, appeal to everyone, appeal to every investor, appeal to everyone and find a way to reach the most people. That's wrong. <laughs> you figure out a way to reach specific people that are aligned with you, that you have a better chance of making a customer, making a mentor and doing that. And then you were very specific about your strategy. Like you, you, you've reached out code. A lot of people hate reaching out code for honest. Like it's, it's, it's an uncomfortable feeling for many people. It's not for me. I, mean, I reached out cold. I don't even care. <laughs> I mean, but that's how you built your network. You build something and, and, and you believe in it and you're passionate about it. You have to be willing to do whatever it takes. Yep. I know. I agree. I mean, you, and you've inspired me. My daughter too. The worst that can happen is they can say no. Yeah. And then you just say, and then maybe they can, maybe you can learn why and get a yes later or get a, a yes for somebody else. I mean, that's, that's part of it. So you've been intentional about your process in terms of building your network and, and, and applying really the fundamentals. You've tried to create value before asking for something. You try to learn about the people that you're reaching out to. You seek to create value. And from that, more value comes towards you. So that's how you built this network over years and years of being intentional, right? And then you got to this point where we talked about the 150. Then there was another, there was, there was another, uh, you had another roadblock. Because, uh, because right, you, you you raised money, I think, from venture capital at this point, but things were starting to stall. Yeah, yeah, a million at that point, but still ran out of money, right? And then so you needed to figure out what's the next way, and then you came on to crowdfunding. So, um, tell why don't you tell folks what do people get wrong about crowd investing and what well, actually script that before we get to that? What are the basics? What are the what are the top three things you need to do? to be successful or to have a chance of being successful in this crowd investing uh, the field right now? Like what is it that you need to do in order to maximize your chances for success? You need to have a, a business with a very clear, um, clear path to profitability, very clear product market fit and um, know everything about your business, the ins and outs of your business, ins and outs of your industry and know what you're building, who you're targeting, and what you're doing with the money. Know your use of funds, know why you need to raise money, know how much money you need to raise. Um, it's all together, kind of. Uh, have your due diligence down, so have your business incorporated properly, have all of your projections proper, like have your business fully set up and ready for a due diligence. Have um, just the foundation of business. People think you can get an idea and go crowdfund for it. You cannot crowdfund for an idea. You can crowdfund for a business. Even if the business is pre-revenue, you still have to set it up and yep. have it structured and know who's going to work with you or who's on your team. If you, if you don't have a team, just you and one other person, at least know who you want to hire, the type of person you want to hire, um, who you need to hire, what they need to be paid, and have a clear understanding of, of how you're going to roll out and use this money to build a team and to get a path to profitability. It's not easy to crowdfund. It's not easy to raise money, period. No, raising it's money is a hard, hard, hard problem. Not easy. There's no easy way. There's no, it's just a, what your temperature is. So for me, it, I felt more comfortable um, talking to crowds than yeah. sitting in 100 one-on-one -on -one VC meetings. I don't have the patience for that. Yeah. That's not who I am. So you have to understand who you are. If you are not a person that is okay with talking to thousands of people, interacting with people all day long on social media, on, on email, on your crowdfunding campaign page. So it's like self-awareness is also in the top three. Knowing what you can handle. 
because it requires a lot of lot 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 of engagement. If you think you can throw a campaign up and it's going to just magically raise money, it's not. You have to really hit the ground and start working and be um, out there promoting your business as much as you can constantly. If that's not your personality, don't do it. Yeah, I, I mean, when, so much accountability there. People are going to ask you everything, and you have to be ready to answer full disclosure people's questions. Uh, I, I completely agree, and I, and I think and why we want to help others do this and eventually do it ourselves too, but help others because I believe it, it's very similar to running for office. I think I told you that I ran for actually I ran for office twice, so we had that. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I ran for mayor of the city of Cincinnati. And I ran for treasurer of the state of Ohio. Um, both. Both times outraised my opponents. Um, things were out of my control in both times, but that process taught me a lot and made this this journey uh, almost easier is not the word. It's prepped me for the journey. So you know, I went through periods where I had to figure out like how I was going to raise the money, and I and I and you know I knew a certain amount that I was comfortable raising. I had to figure out how to essentially ten times that, which I did. But it's it but it happened right because you know first. What you, I've, I've been networking for a long time, building relationships. So people trust what I say. They, and some of them don't even agree with all the things I say, but they trust me as a person and as a leader. And so I was able to get investments in terms of investing in my campaign from folks because of that, because of all the years of building value. You've done the same thing. And so you've, you know, you, you, you've started a podcast. You've done, you, you do, it. yeah, you do outreach sessions where you, and I've listened to you, 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 you answer uh, questions, you help educate people on the process. So sometimes people are investing in you, in you more than just your product. I think they're investing in you because they believe in they you. Do. That's exactly what people, all investors across the board, they invest in you as the leader because you can have a great idea, but if you're not the right person to execute it, they don't believe you are the one to do it. They're not going to invest. They're, they're always investing in you. Right. Always. And so you had a big, did you have an email? You had a, so you already had, I know Max, Max did not have a large social media following, but she had a large network from emails and a past network. Did you have a, you already had an email list and you had a pretty good, decent social media following too, right? Yeah, I had a large social media following for years. I mean, it's like serendipity just because of how my career progressed. I started out in event promotions. Yeah. So I maxed out my Facebook friends so many years ago. So I already had thousands of people on Facebook. I already had thousands of connect connections on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter from my previous career yeah, of yeah. doing events and then flat out. So I was very well known as the CEO of flat out that carried over. So I also, my hack was always, um, every time I go to conferences, which I went to a ton of them, like we talked about, I would get all these business cards and I'm like, everybody had a synergy, but I don't know what I could do with these people right now. I don't yeah. really have anything to do with them. I have my Ever, Evernote, scan their card in, send them an automatic LinkedIn request, put them on my email list and send out, sometimes it'd be monthly, sometimes it'd be quarterly, email updates to all these people that met me somewhere. Yeah. Saying, hey, it's Dawn, this is what I'm working on. Here's some resources for you. You know, here's the ask. I might ask for advice, ask for a referral, but I always kept myself top of mind. And I was doing this for years yep. before I crowdfunded. Yep. With I nothing, nothing no, I didn't know what I was going to use it for. I didn't know that I was going to be able to monetize it, but I just knew that I, I wanted to stay in touch with these people, but I didn't have time to send out emails individually to a thousand plus people that I've met over 10 years at a hundred conferences. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, it's just, it's funny. Like that was uh, entrepreneurship was later for me because it started off. I wanted to be in public service, and then so the same. First of all, I just like people. So like, I, I, networking, having a network. When you tell people, in order to be successful in this, in order to be successful in any type of fundraising, let's be clear: if it's VC, if it's fan, fan, you know, fan, uh, your your family, your friends, your ne- you have to have a relationship, and you have to be in touch. Oftentimes, before you get anything, receive anything, because people, I before think, before you need anything, yes, they go to right trying to transact, right? And there's nothing wrong with transactions. But right. if you're not seeking to actually build the relationship, people can people I believe people can feel it and sell it. And there are some people that I deal with that I know I have to deal with. And the situation is completely transactional. It's like, OK, I know if I'm working with 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 him, I have to do X and Y and nothing more. They're not going to as soon as as soon as the, as soon as the, the meter goes off, they're going to stop. And I know people that are that I know I get value. You, you're, you're one of those people and we exchange. And I know at the end of the day, it makes people want to invest in you more. And some won't. I've had people that don't do that. And that's OK, too. You go into the process just trying to create value and you'll get more value instead of just seeing it as an immediate transaction. So I want people to understand that you have built this network and you cannot be successful in crowd investing without having a real following. And, and no, I yeah. want to actually it's not that's not exactly true. OK, OK. All right. Oh, please, 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 please push back. I want to hear. So my that was my way. I use my network and it allowed me to raise capital without doing, um, without my first tranche, which is like segment, you know, I raised my first, let's say 250,000 off my network, but I had to invest in an online ad campaign and a marketing strategy that involved flooding podcasts, um, you know, blogs and media. So okay. Max can relate to this as well, because as you mentioned, she didn't have a large social media following. She had a large email list, but she definitely did a lot of online marketing and interviews. I've seen Max all over doing yep. interviews. So you don't have to have a large audience, but if you don't, you must invest in spreading your message to build your audience. Yeah, you did both. Comes in the form, I did both. Comes in, that's how I got to a million, but it comes in the form of Facebook ads. Yeah. And LinkedIn outreach. And that's- you can be very specific on that, like you said, and get to your target audience. So let me let me let me just and I'll let you finish. But what I was trying to say is that others will not invest in you unless somebody has invested in you first. Generally. 100%. Yeah. And it really starts with you. Others won't invest in you if you haven't invested in you. That's the first investment. And then two, getting someone else who they feel is credible to validate that. So also both Max and I had already raised money from somewhere else. We went through Techstars. We had to raise a million in VC. Max had already raised money, had a product to market generating revenue. That's how we raised millions. So frame your expectations around what you are going to raise based on your traction and your current investment status. If you're a brand new business out the gate with no traction, I haven't seen it happen yet where someone raised a million. With, yeah. just, with just a beginning business. And you might get lucky, but it's not the model. It's not going to work. It's not the model because people want to see a little bit of progress. Yeah. So, but what I have seen is people raising what would be your seed or your friends and family round about 250, 300 without a product in the market. Got it. That's people a good place to always start. go back and raise more because the legal limit for crowdfunding on under a reg CF is a million seventy of calendar year. So you can raise. You can raise, let's say, okay, you need 200,000. You need 100,000 to get this going. Raise it. 
get some traction, come back, launch again. You, ha- yeah. you have a million. So think about it like this. You can raise a million dollars a year using crowdfunding. Yeah. You can raise a million dollars a year. No, that's awesome. Yeah. But it still starts with, you still got to start with the foundation. You still need a foundational network. That's, that's not, that'll help take you to your next level. It's not, you don't have to have the network that can raise a million dollars for you, but you need, someone needs, you need to be able to show that someone does believe in you yeah. or others to believe in you, period. And, 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 and then seek to add value to everybody that you bring in. What I also appreciate, I know you've, you've invested in a platform where you're communicating with your investors all the time. And I think all that's what all the time, all right? The time. Which is the most work. So uh, talk to me about building your team and how you do that, knowing who you are. Um, you, you, how, do you, how do you know what's the most important aspects that you look for in, in, in a co-founder? And, and these are some questions we ask people. Is it the character? Is it the commitment? Or is it how they have different skill sets that you may or may not have? Which of those are the most important, do you think? Missing another one. Character, commitment, skill set, and culture fit. And okay. so for me, I go culture fit. Hmm, okay. What, is it, what do you mean by culture, culture fit? fit? You're not going to fit in this environment. So your skill set doesn't matter because you don't fit in. You know, your character, it, that could go along with culture fit. But it's still like, can you handle the startup environment? Can you end in our specific environment? So first is culture fit. Do we like each other? Do we vibe as human beings? We're about to be working real closely. Right. We vibe as human beings. That's always it. Because they can be a great, talented person, but if we're just not connecting somewhere, it's yep. not going to work. So culture fit is first. Um, and definitely skill set is quickly there. I don't have okay. a co-founder. I tried it before. It didn't work. They were fired before the one-year cliff period. I, I just don't. <laughs> yeah. And actually, my whole team, there is not a single person remaining with me from my first team. Not one. They all, yeah. they weren't, they were the team to get started. They were not the team to grow with. So vi- really understanding the stages of which, okay, this person can get me here, but how far can they go with me? Yep. And so I'm going to need someone else. So again, it's like understanding where you're able to attract the talent level that you need. Um, like I said, the person to get you from zero to one is not always the person to get you from one to a hundred. Yeah. But zero to one is very difficult. Yeah, zero to that's, one is the hardest. That's the hardest. So that's the hardest person to get you there. And you know, it again for me, it wasn't the same group of people. But yep. I definitely value and appreciate those people who got me from zero to one. But they weren't the team to get us over, you know, to to the next level. And it's it's important for a CEO to understand that, not get too attached to people as humans, and know when it's time to hire fast and fire fast. Yeah. And, that's hard. That's hard to do. Uh, it is hard to do because you're humans and you like people as yeah. people. And I struggled with that a lot. And I yeah. made a lot of mistakes. I spent a lot more money paying people who did not deserve to be paid anymore. Their time was up, but I just felt like, oh my God, I don't want to make them be unemployed. Yeah. So I had to learn that my responsibility first is to the shareholders and the in this business. And yeah. and I have to do everything in the best interest of this business, not my personal feelings. And I always tell my team, if the best interest of this business ever means me stepping down, I'll do it ever. If it means that I no longer serve, that's how self-aware you have to be wanting your business to succeed to the point where you are willing to do whatever it takes, including step to the side. Yeah. A couple final questions and then then I'll let you go. Recommended resources 
uh, for entrepreneurs. Uh, I know you had some websites that you recommend uh, for getting your due diligence together. If you can shot some of those out and then any um, any advice for uh, like just general books you think are mandatory for you to understand as you evolve in this process for folks. Yeah, I want to name a couple things. things. Uh, y Combinator has an amazing resource of documents you can use for free. Just Google Y Combinator startup documents, a lot of things that can help you um, alleviate the need to have attorneys draft documents from scratch. Uh, due diligence data, data room information, which you need to have on your checklist is called dataroom.net. Check out my Medium page, medium.com forward slash the at sign, Dawn Dixon. I have tons of resources about crowdfunding. Everything you want to know about crowdfunding is literally on there. You don't have to ask me any questions. I've literally documented it all for you. And um, also a book that I love is Venture Deals. If you are interested in raising money or just understanding how the money works, everybody automatically just thinks venture capital. But, you know, I, probably only 1% of businesses are even a good candidate for venture capital. So it's understanding your business and what, you know, venture capital, what they need um, and to see if it's a good fit for your business. I love the hard thing about hard things by Ben Horowitz. That's one of my favorite books too. I love that book. Yeah, just so you can like really, it, it really puts things into perspective. Like, okay, this can really happen. And most of the things in that book have happened to me. And it, at least I knew that I wasn't alone. Yeah. I also love the book, which is not a business book, but it's just a book. It's a book called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, one of my favorite books. And it's just like a philosophy. And the philosophy carries over on t into life and business. And I'm actually reading a book right now called Measure What Matters because I'm really learning now as a leader how to measure um, success and, and keep milestones and benchmarks and have accountability on my team, including me. So we're really putting into place doubling down on KPIs and OKRs. And so yep. this really helps you to um, set these things in place for your business once you have a team so that everybody can be working cohesively. So those are my, those are my recommendations. All right. Well, Don Dixon, thank you for coming to the uh, Disruption Now Virtual Summit. We look forward to watching your rise and being in touch in the future. Thanks, Rob. Thank you.